welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. It is. It this is this is so exciting. It's it really the, is. It's the most exciting podcast of the year. Yes, and and by that, what you mean is it's one and a half percent more exciting than the average <laughs> podcast. I was thinking about 1.7, 1.8%. Yeah, it's in the range. Really, really exciting. Uh, this is our baseball predictions podcast where we just we, we ruin the season for you, frankly, because we just lay out what's going to happen. No reason to even watch. Now, this is we... this is a, like the, traditionally what happens is you say that because what you're the point you're making is a good point which is that we have no idea what we're talking about no one has any idea what they're talking about predicting this stuff is pointless and stupid every media outlet does in every sport does these crazy predictions at the beginning of every season where experts line up and they tell you exactly what's going to happen and then none of it actually happens however however i'm like 30 to 40% sure that one of us predicted Cubs over Indians in the World Series last year. Am I wrong? Do you remember? I don't. I didn't look it up. I don't really care. It's meaningless, even if we did predict that. But I feel like that did happen. I think it might have happened. I think you might have picked it. I, we both picked the Cubs uh, to go to the World Series. I believe I picked Cubs, Red Sox. And, okay. and by the way, the fact that I can even remember this at all yeah. is, is horrifying. Um, I think I picked Red Sox, Cubs, which obviously could have been. And I believe you picked Cubs Cleveland. I, yeah. I, unless unless you picked Cubs Houston, I can't I can't say with a hundred percent certainty, but pretty sure you picked Cubs Cleveland. Yeah, I I feel like I did. Again, I'm about forty percent sure. Uh, <laughs> if I did, I uh, am obviously the greatest prognosticator in ever the, of the sport. Yeah, and and I should be quitting my job as a comedy writer and going full-time into sports journalism because no one has ever accurately predicted things like that, ever. Not once, and not one season in any major sport in the history of the world has anyone done what I am 40% sure I did last year. <laughs> I would say you are 40% of the way to being an absolute sports genius. I think That's so, what yeah. So what, I, so what we should do, uh, and we say this every year, we never do it, but what we should do, <laughs> what we should do is rem try to remember what we actually say. Right. I mean, it's really, again, like write it down. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, by the way, it's not like we couldn't, we could probably using the internet, go back and find what we actually said last year. I'm just kind of too lazy to do that. Yeah. So, but, but this year I feel like I'm just going to write down on a post-it note what, <laughs> what we predict <laughs> so that if we're right, then at the end of the year, there'll be a post-it note on my desk that says, Hey, Joe picked nationals over uh, Astros or whatever. And then we'll, we can, we should revisit it or alternately a, motivated podcast listener could go back and actually look at what we have predicted in past years and see how many times we've even gotten I would I would be interested to know how many times we've even gotten like a third of the playoff teams accurately predicted right I don't think we got a third of the playoff teams accurately predicted last year really question, I don't I don't know I I you know it's it's Maybe we did. I, I, I think we did because we both picked Cubs. Obviously, we both picked Red Sox. I remember picking the Red Sox. I'm, I'm, again, I'm 40% sure. <laughs> but I, I feel like that we got – I think I predicted the Yankees to win a wild card because I predicting the Yankees to not make the playoffs seems like a death wish. Yes. But I feel like we also both picked Dodgers, right? I, I mean, I feel like we got – I feel like we got a third. Yeah, maybe. It's yeah. possible. It's possible. I, I would think – 
if if we ever did get a motivated podcast listener to do this, I think they would find that you picked the Cubs in, in Cleveland last year, but they would find that our other predictions are so embarrassingly bad that yeah. that it would be so stop last year. I'd say I'd say if you are that motivated podcast listener, stop last we don't need to know before last year. Oh, you're saying would, only do last year. Yeah, yeah. Only do last year. Just no, stop. see, I disagree. A motiv- a theoretical motivated podcast listener who's gonna look into this, and by the way, such a person does not exist. But that theoretical person, I would, I would be. How many times have we done this? Four? Oh Three? gosh, more, Five? more than that. No, really? Yeah, six or seven times. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. We've, we've been doing this forever, Michael. I mean, what? just literally forever. <laughs> what is wrong with us? <laughs> have we really been doing it that long? Yeah, That's I believe crazy. it goes back to like 2010 or 11. Yeah, really? I yeah, I know. It's 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 horrifying, really, if you think about it. Um, what, a, what an incredible waste of time. <laughs> and and. And yet we've gotten no better at it. That seems to me to be the most amazing part no, of all. See, that's, that, to me, is not amazing at all. We don't, <laughs> don't get better at it because no one gets better at it. It's, impo- it's literally an impossible. You're basically, it's like every year on the same day getting together and playing roulette. You can't get better <laughs> at roulette. You can, like, make educated guesses based on probabilities, but you can't get better at it. It's like it's going to be... Uh, you know, the same exact amount of random noise in every season. So the the point is we've we've gotten together once a year. You're saying the randomness of the predictions. I'm saying we've gotten no better at doing this podcast. That's what I'm saying. Oh, well, that is certainly true and... And, uh, yeah, not debatable. Yes. No, there's no... uh, Well, actually... There's one way that we've gotten better at it, which is that after 271 podcasts, I bought a $60 microphone to make this to make this sound better, and and I'm using it right now. It's wonderful. I love this microphone. It is wonderful. You sound velvety again. You're back to being velvety. I'm telling you, man. It's a, a, it uh, it is one of those things where it's like a, a wonderful thing where a very small amount of money and a very small amount of effort led to like a 70 percent. Yeah. increase in quality it's very rare that you can accomplish that in any walk of life it was 60 dollars, and it made everything like a markedly better markedly better like not even close yeah to to the quality before so so that part is good all right so we as we get started predicting this thing and i'm sure that motivated person will uh will uh, let us know how we've done in years past sure um excited about the final four you excited uh, uh, the basketball final four. I'm excited for the um, uh, for the women's final four. Women's final four. Yes, yeah, because I, I I feel like I mentioned this before. My older sister Emily went to UConn. I, I grew up in Connecticut. Gina Oriema was the commencement speaker at my high school graduation. Oh, you didn't mention that last yeah. time. How yeah. was he? I bet he was great. He was great. Yeah, it was '93. Um, I believe he had already. I don't know if he had already won a championship. He must have already won a championship. In '93, maybe I'm not sure. I, about that. Not sure either, yeah, you've probably um, been to a Final Four though. Yeah, and uh, he gave a great speech, very, very like motivational and positive and uh, and and cool. And so I'm a, I'm a, a unapologetic UConn homer. They're thirty. They've won thirty five straight this year. One hundred and ten straight now, I think, over the last whatever how many years, three four years. And uh, and I want them to finish it off. I want them to win the championship and make it. You know, I mean, this is like a, it's already pretty clear in my mind that the program has, has passed Tennessee and OREM has passed Pat Summit as the greatest college coach of all time, women's college coach. 
but he's got 11 rings. I think 12 would be uh, would be you know this this run would this would put a, a real finishing touch on this insane run that probably the, this sport will never see again. Any sport will ever see again. You know, I was talking to uh, my my dear friend Michelle Vopel uh, of ESPN. Uh, dot com, uh, probably the leading women's basketball writer in the country. And at some point during this year, I I had asked her because I mean there are other teams that are obviously trying to get better and 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 uh, and are getting better. And and I asked her what the chances were that uh, Connecticut would actually lose this year. Uh, and she basically said she didn't say it. You know, in in she 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 wouldn't give me like a, an answer because she probably guessed that I would say it on the podcast and then she would have to hear <laughs> grief about it. Um, but she essentially told me zero chance they lose. Really, like, they're that much better this year. They're, they're they're just so so ridiculously good. But she thought that other programs are they're not necessarily catching up because you know they're Connecticut is so dominant, but they're. They're doing things the Connecticut way, so uh, which I think would be good. I mean, I would think it would. Uh, I love having a, a a dominant team. I think that is really good for the sport. I actually think that's hurt uh, men's college basketball that there sort of isn't a dominant team and hasn't been one because because guys leave early and all right. that sort of thing. Um, but not this dominant. Like you need <laughs> you need like you need like a second and a third. Team, it was cool when Connecticut and Tennessee were yes. were sort of you know both you know I don't know about equal but pretty close, uh, and Stanford was in there, Notre Dame and some other schools. Uh, now you know Connecticut has just kind of blown everybody away. They're they're not only not losing, they're not coming close to losing, right? I mean, when 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 is the last time somebody's been within like single digits of them? Basically? It's been a while, yeah. I mean, the, they they're whatever it was round of thirty two game. I think they won. They only won by fifteen, and I was like, whoa, what? Yeah. That's- <laughs> Ooh, oh, close for comfort somebody there. Woke, somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day. You're you know? right, though. It's it's better when it was better when UConn and Tennessee was like they played every year, and then they also usually met like in the in the final four right. or right. Uh, in the tournament, and like that was truly exciting. There were a couple of years when Stanford was was great program too. Yes, uh, and that was always a fun game. Um, and you're right; it would be better if there were a couple other teams that were in their league, but. As a homer, as a as a, uh, a native of the state and a fan of the program, it's pretty awesome to watch this kind of well, dominance. That is a really interesting sports question. I've always wondered this question. You know, the the, the famous Yankee uh, line. I can't remember which Yankee owner said it, but the famous line was, "What is a perfect Yankee game is is uh, is for them to go up eight nothing in the first inning and then slowly pull away from there." Um, <laughs> and that's the question. The question is. Do you want, like, if you're a fan of Connecticut, do you just want them to be, like, 30 points better than every other team in the country? Or do you want there to be some excitement and, and some challenge? And it's sort of like, do you want to play the game on cheat mode? Or do you want to, uh, not that they're cheating, by the way, I didn't mean it that way. But do you want to play it where you're so much better than everybody else, it's not even close? Or do you want it to be where there are, like, lots of good teams and winning probably feels a little bit more something i don't know i've had this debate before too i think that it a little bit depends on the history of your team in that sport so for example the way i I use this example all the time but the way that the red sox and cubs won their first world series in where it was incredibly dramatic and they um and they sort of had to overcome you know, great deficits. They came back up. You know, the Red Sox came down 0-3 to sure. the Yankees and the ALCS. The Cubs came back 
in the World Series. Like that, to me, knowing that they w- won retroactively, you can feel like, God, that was exactly the way I wanted that to happen, right? Because you wanted maximum kind of like storybook drama. You want the like the natural. You want Roy Hobbs hitting the game-winning home run uh, off the light tower kind of thing. Um, but on the other hand, if you're a fan of UConn, and part of the story right now is this sort of legendary historic dominance of the franchise, it's possible that you want the other thing. It's possible that you want 35, 40-point wins where they're, everybody's just celebrating in the second half because it's already in the bag. And the story is more about, like, this is the final punctuation mark on this crazy run of dominance, and they're so much better than everybody else that the story, the the, the larger story becomes they were so they separated themselves from the pack by so much that no one will ever sort of be better than they were right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. This. So I, I think it kind of depends a little bit on like on on which version of sort of of storybook you want. Right. Well, no, I mean, there's no question that there's a very big difference in in everything that leads in to uh, the Red Sox or the Cubs winning versus what's happened in Connecticut. It would not for Connecticut to win like a very, very close, you know, to go 24 and 10 and and be a five seed or a four seed and, and win a championship. Yeah, that would feel great. But they've they've been through so much. You've been through so much yeah. uh, success that it probably would not feel the same way like it did for, you know, a Villanova or somebody like that. So I, I guess I can see that. I, I do wonder if at some point, uh, you know, you want you want to be challenged. I mean, at some point you want to be maybe I don't know, maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe winning is such a is such a an overpowering thing that you just wanna dominate. I, I thought always thought one of the most interesting parts of that Red Sox thing was yes, you had that incredible uh you know, thing with the Yankees and you had to you slay all the dragons and come back from three oh and and the stolen base and the Damon Homer and all the other things that, that are legend now. But they cruised to the World Series. I yeah. mean, it, it was four straight, and it never trailed, right? Is that never right? Never trailed in a single never, inning, yeah. In a single inning. So, you know, I, I don't know. In, in a way, that's probably good, too. You get both. You get both worlds. Yeah, that's how I felt at the time was like, look, I had enough drama. Like, I don't, I don't want any more drama. But, and, the, and the drama was appropriately laid out. Uh, doled out like during the Yankees series. That's right, that's when right. the drama should have happened. And they, you know, the Cubs. It was a similar thing where the drama, most of the drama, you would say there was no drama in the regular season. They cruised to the to right. the title, and then their drama, like they getting to the World Series, wasn't it wasn't like a breeze, but it was you know it was oh pretty easy as you say. Right. You can look back and say, oh, if this had happened or that had happened in the Giants series, the Dodgers series, but they. They didn't get pushed to the brink on any of those. Series. No, and then they were pushed to the brink in the place that they should have been pushed to the brink, which was the actual World Series, the actual the actual white whale that they've been chasing for forever since forty five. So, yeah, I I mean, I ultimately you want your team to win, and you don't really care. But uh, in the case of UConn women's basketball, I feel like there's a version of because there's because there is no natural rival. If there were a natural rival right now. You could say a one-point win over your natural rival to cap off the season. Maybe that's the thing that you're hoping for. But there's no natural rival. So I kind of feel what you want is – it's like when the Celtics beat the Lakers uh, in the Kevin Garnett year, the anything is possible year, right. <laughs> as I call it. Like, the you know, the the final game was like a crazy blowout, and there was just like a party on the on the uh, uh, sidelines um, 
it, and it was really fun. And it, and I think that's kind of what you probably want if you're a UConn fan right now. I guess it's really interesting because I, if 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 given the the option at the time, obviously, uh, when Cleveland uh, finally wins their championship against Golden State. They win it in this incredible, ridiculous, you know, Kyrie Irving last second. Looks like there's no chance they can win in Golden State. Um, and that's, you know, and now you think, you know, I look back on it and go, oh, that was, that's right. That's how it should have ended. Absolutely not. It should have ended with like a 35 <laughs> point win in Cleveland where everybody gets to celebrate it before, you know, long before the game is over and just dancing around and all that. Cause there was never a moment until the game was over of, Wow, we're here, you know, and, yeah. and it, it's never happened. There was, as I said, that weirdest thing about that about that is, until they won the game, you thought they would lose it. Like literally, until yeah. the game was over, it's like they're not going to win this game. And then they won it, and it's like, oh, now I have to like completely switch all of those emotions to be happy. It was awesome. I mean, it was an unbelievable rush and it, it led to like sort of a, sort of a weird feeling of like almost surrealism, you know, but I, I would have taken a 40 point win, you know, in Cleveland. Just, yeah. A crazy you know, party. You would have taken you know, a, like a, like a ha- an entire half of a game length party uh, in, in the city in which you're uh, in that has suffered the drought, yeah, exactly. It would have been great. All right, let's talk some let's talk some baseball, and we're going to go uh, division by division. Uh, but we're looking just to pick champions, so we don't have to go to every team. Uh, and let's start in the West. We never start in the West. Great let's idea. Start, let's start in the West. Let's start in the National League West. Uh, and uh, and your thoughts. I, I, let, let's start off by saying this. To me, pure talent, pure. Like talent, one to twenty-five in a roster. I don't know that there's any team in baseball that has more talent than the Los Angeles Dodgers do. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus. Pretty much the consensus. Like, uh, there's no certainly there. It's health dependent, and for the first time in a long time, you have a a situation where Clayton Kershaw is a question mark. Yeah, and that's not. Uh, that's not nothing, man. That's like no, that's, no. That changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, obviously. it really yeah. does. Um, so, but but overall, you what you would say certainly is that if everybody's healthy, if Corey Seager continues, uh-huh. I mean, Corey Seager was a legitimate MVP candidate last year as a pretty much as a rookie, and if and he he certainly looks for all the world like. He is going. He he actually is injured right now, which is yes. bad. But <laughs> but. If he does what he's supposed to do, if Kershaw stays healthy, if their if their staff stays healthy, they kept their, a couple of their guys who might have otherwise left, stayed. Like they have a, a really good bullpen. They've got really good starters. They've got really good players at major positions at first base, at shortstop, at third base. At they uh, they you know their outfield. They have like twelve outfielders, and they're all like pretty good. They yes I th- I think if you if barring barring a lot of injuries this is the this is your NL West champion and I don't think it's very close. Well, the thing about them is that they're so they are so deep and now they're not nobody's deep enough to lose Kershaw right I mean that's you know you, you talk about the very very top end guy Seager Kershaw yeah you you lose those guys and it's a, it's a terrible blow but. They've got like nine starters. I mean, yeah. it's it's ridiculous how many. I mean, you you look at at our friend Brandon McCarthy. You know, he's 
he's trying to find a spot in, you know, where there's like there's seven starters that are that are fighting for for those spots. And and by the way, and we should take one moment to talk about uh, Julio Urias, the uh, now going to be 20 year old. Uh, it was a rookie last year. Uh, hopefully you got to see him pitch in the in the in the playoffs. Not you. I mean, I are our, our four podcast listeners. Um <laughs> He's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. Uh, and like Kershaw, like in like with his stuff, and his stuff's better than Kershaw's in some ways. Um, he's not the pitcher Kershaw is, but incredible stuff. And the single balkiest move to first base I've ever seen in my life. Right? <laughs> that thing is an absolute balk. It's an you you agree with me, right? It's it's more balkish than Andy Pettit's move. It is. It which is. was itself a balk every time he did it, and he never got called on it, and it drove me crazy. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, I it's remarkable. Yeah, it's it's insane. I've never seen anything like it. So I think the Dodgers are far and away the best. To me, the question in the weather there there are two questions that are of interest to me. Uh, one is the Giants, who suddenly just don't look that great. Now they never really do. And they find ways to put together. But, I mean, they don't even – I don't even know who's in their outfield at the moment. They're kind of a mess a little bit. Uh, and then Arizona. Arizona went for it last year. It all went very, perfectly? very, very badly. Oh, no, not perfectly. I thought you were going to say perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it all went perfectly horribly. And um, – but, but that, that you know, they have more or less that team in place that should have been last year's team. Um, what do you think of those two guys? What do you think of the Giants and, and Diamondbacks? Uh, yeah, I was bummed out. I I was kind of excited that the Diamondbacks were making this. We're like in go for it now mode, which the Diamondbacks have never haven't been in since <laughs> they actually won it all. Right. Uh, yeah, that was a kind of a bummer that it didn't work out. And obviously, I, you and I both have a deep affection for Zach Grinke and wanted Zach Grinke to be like uh, you know back in the playoffs and sure. competing and stuff. It is a little weird about the Diamondbacks that it's it it feels like they should be really good, doesn't it? And I think it's an illusion because they have they have guys like Paul Goldschmidt who's like the best hitter in baseball that nobody knows about, and they have pitchers like Zach Greinke that you you know are you know every year basically if they're healthy Cy Young candidates. They have a kind of they have their top end players are world beaters. Every yes. single like they they have a couple guys on there, a couple hitters and a couple pitchers who are among the very very best in baseball. Yes. And I guess it just must be. And I don't. I it won't shock you to know that I don't have a, a thorough understanding of their roster. But that but that it must just be that the rest of it. I mean, a lot. Obviously, the big trade for Shelby Miller. Did What's not it? did not work. No, no, that was that was not a good idea. <laughs> that was not that was a good really idea. Really, not a good idea. Yeah, but um, but uh, it, it feels like and also, and Pollock was hurt, right? That was the other thing. Pollock yeah. got hurt. Pollock got hurt. That ruined, I think, the whole. That thing. kind of ruined the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. but it yeah. does. It did. It's like it. The Giants, you always are always like better than you think they're going to be, except for last year. And but it felt like last year. The Diamondbacks were the team that weren't that underachieved, and uh, and it bums me out. And I hope, I mean, I don't think that they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna do anything this year either. But it it kind of, I I wish they would because it would be cool if that team somehow put it all together. Yeah, I, it just feels like maybe all of the breaks that went against them because I it 
the whole thing was ruined as soon as Pollock got hurt, right? The whole, every part of the plan for whatever reason, because that team was Goldschmidt and Pollock and Jake Lamb, who's a terrific young player. Um, Segura was on the, you know, was there. He, obviously, he's gone now. Uh, Yasmani Tomas. I mean, that team looked like they were going to score a bunch of runs. Uh, and then they added Greinke and they did add Shelby Miller. As, as bad as that trade was when they made it, you still thought Shelby Miller was going to be like pitchable, right? I mean, you thought he was, yeah. you thought he was going to be pretty good, and he ended up being literally you couldn't even put him out there on the mound. He was he was so bad. Um, so you know that obviously changes, but a lot of those guys are still in place. Miller looks like he might have uh, might be on the comeback uh, from from last year's disaster. Uh, I, I want to talk for one second about Paul Goldschmidt because. Uh, I saw him during spring training, whatever game two or something, and he was he was he was facing our our friend Brandon McCarthy, and Brandon like I, I don't know what exactly he was throwing trying to throw a fastball in the outside corner and he caught too much of the plate and it kind of it it really broke in on Goldschmidt, um, yeah, and he just he just he he hit an opposite field home run on this pitch because it caught too much of the plate on day two of spring training. To watch a guy hit an opposite field home run, admittedly in light air of Arizona, whatever, but an opposite field home run, like those, you remember when we were young, nobody hit opposite field home runs. Yeah. Like nobody at all. And to watch him do that just just reminded me, God, this guy is like, he's the perfect hitter. He's the absolute perfect hitter. Yeah, he kind of has the mantle now, uh, uh, he's close at least, to having that mantle now of best right-handed hitter in baseball. Right, right. You know, like, and I, you'd probably maybe still say Miguel Cabrera, uh, you know, there's a couple guys who would challenge him for that, but sure. there's always that thing of, like, lefties are the sweet swinging natural stroke right. guys and and the but there's always a who's the best right-handed hitter in baseball is manny ramirez for a long time and now edgar. you look at yeah exactly edgar you look at goldschmidt's numbers it's just his career numbers are just straight up 300 400 500 like it's just <laughs> and it's like he, he's a perfect hitter like the, he doesn't have a weakness he has power he has gap power he has home run power he scores 100 runs every year he drives in 110 runs a year. He walks 100 times a year. He does. It's like a. It's like a. He's if if his career continues and he a couple years ago he missed 50 games or something. Yeah. But other than that, he's been pretty healthy. And if his career continues, he's gonna have that career where you look back and go, man, this guy was so consistent, so consistently good in exactly the same ways every single year. 300, 400, 500 every year or better. And and it's like it it it's sad because he no one watches him play you know and unless the unless the Diamondbacks make noise and eventually put it together and get to the playoffs no one's going to even know this guy exists. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's I mean he's he's definitely one of those guys. Um, yeah, probably Dodgers, Giants, Diamondbacks, right? Probably are you? Yeah. You're, not, you're not buying Colorado, San Diego at all, right? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dodgers. I I might flip the uh, out of optimism. I might flip Arizona and San Francisco. But yeah. all right, all right. Let's go to the American League West. Uh, I'm kind of excited. All right, so everybody's on Houston. Everybody is on Houston. I think didn't SI just pick them to win the World Series again? I they pick Probably. them every year. Yeah, I think yeah, and they should because Houston is absolutely loaded offensively for sure. Uh, Texas kind of quietly. Won 95 games last year, just like they did the year before, and and nobody really gives them the respect uh, that that they've they've earned. Um, 
So I'm not going to either because I kind of like that Seattle team. I so badly want it for them. I so badly want Seattle to go to a World Series, first of all. Not that I'm picking them to do that. But I want them. I want it for, for Felix Hernandez. I I have grown to, to really like uh, the way they built that team. They, they're going for it this year. Kyle Seeger is another guy that nobody knows who's really, really good. Um I kind of want Seattle. Any chance? I think there is. I kind of think there is. And uh, it's funny you say that because I believe, uh, and we'll get to our predictions obviously in a bit, but I I believe the Mariners are going to make a run. I really do. And it's like, traditionally speaking, believing in the Mariners is a fool's errand. (laughs) (laughs) There have been so many years in the last 10 years or more where people are like, this is it. This is the yeah, year. They're going for it. They're, they're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going for it. And, and it's never been true. And there's not a huge reason to believe that it's going to happen this year. Like they, you know, they're, they're a little bit like the Diamondbacks. They have yes. a yeah. very famous, wonderful, great pitcher, Felix Hernandez. They have two guys in Robbie Cano uh, and Nelson Cruz, who are famous, great top line hitters. Right. The rest of the roster, okay. <laughs> like you can, are they going to put it together? Is Danny Valencia going to be something? Kyle Seeger is something. Segura. And Segura and they and uh, and uh, Iwakuma, the other pitcher who, Giovanni <laughs> Gallardo, he was good when he played for Milwaukee. So they, it's a, but for some reason, I don't know why. It just feels like. A year. Uh, and by the way, podcast official podcast mascot. Uh, uh, the, we have two mascots. One is uh, Mark Caesar on the uh, on the Cubs, sure, and the other is uh, Tuffy Gozwich. I I've decided he's our <laughs> our other mascot. Um, you, you you've you've done it so much that you forgot it's Matt Caesar. Matt it's Caesar. Not, what did I say, Mark? Mark, Matt Caesar. Caesar. Yeah, Tuffy Gozwich. I, I watched a, a couple years ago, late at night. I was waiting for my wife to come home from somewhere, and I watched a random Diamondbacks game. And Tuffy Gozwich, like <laughs> who I'd never heard of before, had like did like four remarkable things in extra innings, and they won the game. And I he, I became an officially a Tuffy Gozwich fan. <laughs> so I'm saying this year our official podcast baseball mascot is Tuffy Gozwich, backup catcher, third string catcher, really for the Seattle Mariners. And just his presence alone, I think, is enough to put them over the top. <laughs> I like it. Now, the, the real question in the West is, are you on Houston? Are you – I mean, that seems to be they're, – they're the ones. They're the – you know, obviously they've been building it in a very uh, spectacular but also controversial way. They've, they've, they've definitely have been, uh, you know, sort of thinking along the lines of, you know, the way we love it. They're very, very analytical. But they're also pretty cutthroat. I mean, they've, they've obviously gotten more than, than a little bit of trouble with the whole Cardinals uh, – thing um are you on them do you do you see houston is this is this team is this team going to get it done are they going to go the world series and win it i don't think they're going to win it uh i do think that they're going to win their division um i have them winning the division and i have the mariners as a wild card team uh i mean their they their lineup is unlike these other lineups their lineups are is great it's top, to bottom. It's all yeah. top to bottom yeah yeah and and jose altuve is the is maybe the greatest story in baseball he's still listed at 56 so he's 411 awesome. <laughs> correa is correa like so just so good they have and they they signed Beltran like that's the, don't overlook that i know Beltran's almost 40 but like that guy can hit and he's just a dh now he doesn't have to play right field 
they they have George Springer, they've got Reddick, they've got uh, you know, they I mean they're they're really good. They're really, really good. Evan Gaddis is good. They have Brian McCann now. <laughs> it was like they have a lot of really good players on this team. It's hard to imagine Barring injury, a widespread injury. I mean, they, I guess the rotation is the question, right? Because Dallas Koiko looked like he was like uh, the Cy going to be win the Cy Young every year, and then suddenly he kind of regressed. They have some. There are some big questions there, but I still think their lineup is too good to not win the division. Well, that's that's to me the question. I mean, look, their lineup is fantastic, but uh, you look at those pitchers. I mean, none of them. Yeah, McCullers. I mean, certainly had a, a very promising. Uh, season, you know, he's a young guy. Uh, Keuchel was terrible. I mean, really, yeah. really struggled. I, you know, and then there are a lot of thoughts about, you know, maybe that he trained himself, uh, he overtrained, and 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 all of that, which is possible. Uh, I love the fact that they've got uh, Morton as their as their number three uh, starter now. The, I've always been a fan of him. He, he's the he's the one that uh, that uh, basically copied. Um, uh, am, I, am I wrong? Am I, am I getting that wrong? Is, it, is he not the one that Charlie Morton? Right, he's the one that that copied the Phillies pitcher, the Cy Young, Roy, Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay. Yeah. No. I, why? Why did I have so much trouble with that? Um, I believe Charlie Morton is the one that that literally copied like frame for frame. He copied uh, Roy Halladay's pitching motion, huh. and uh, and and had some success, and then that failed. And so I, I'm really interested to see if he. Like copy somebody else's, like Bob Gibson's or somebody like that. Anyway, the bottom line is question marks. I think their whole rotation is filled with question marks. Those guys could be great. Keuchel could go back to being Cy Young guy. McCullers is super talented. Morton is a very solid pitcher. Uh, McHugh and and Fears. I mean, they've they've got they've got you know some very talented. Luke Gregerson. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got very talented young pitchers. Um, but it doesn't have to work. I mean, that's that to me is where the real question mark comes in because they're loaded everywhere in in the field. I mean, they're they're offensively they're fantastic. But you would also say you would probably, if you could, just swap out their entire starting five for a lot of other starting fives in their own division. Like, wouldn't you take the Rangers starting five over oh, their absolutely. starting five? Absolutely. You know? <laughs> like, well, not even a question. I, yeah. I don't even think it's I don't even think it's particularly close. I mean, yeah. especially. Darvish maybe being healthy. I mean, Hamels, Darvish, that's what Texas is going to have. That's why Texas keeps getting overlooked because, uh, you know, that team is, you know, it's, 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 I mean, they still have Adrian Beltre, which, you know, reminds me uh, to say that Adrian Beltre is awesome. Right. Uh, I think that's important. Um, but they're offensively, they, they're not, they're not all that interesting, really. Um, they scored, they were fourth in the league in runs last year, but they're not. You know, for that ballpark, they're not an interesting offensive team, um, but their their rotation is pretty good. So that, the West will be interesting. I think um, I think the West will be interesting. It should be noted that sometime in probably May of this year, uh, Adrian Beltre is going to hit his get his three thousandth hit. Can you believe it? Isn't, Isn't that, that crazy? Awesome? He's and he you know he's thirty seven. He's in pretty good shape. He's gonna have like he's gonna he'll have th- what? What do you think? At the end of the day, he'll have thirty five hundred hits in his 30, career. Three hundred, thirty four hundred, thirty five hundred, right if around. He there. Yeah, healthy, yeah. yeah, and he'll he and healthy. he's he's fifty five home runs shy of five hundred. He could easily get to five hundred. I mean, you know what's what's really interesting is he got to three thousand or is going to get to three thousand without giving up anything. You know, like other people have to 
play for several years. Biggio had to like play for five years, basically as a subpar player to yeah. get to three thousand hits. Beltre is as great as ever. Like he's still great, and he's going to get to three thousand hits without you know, sort of just in the regular course of his career. And the thing I love about it is that. The day he gets 3,000 hits, he's going to be celebrated, which he should have been, you know, many, many times already. And everybody's going to realize he's a Hall of Famer, and he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, 95% of the vote, because he got 3,000 hits. He was a Hall of Famer anyway. And that part, you know, that I'm glad that he's going to get the 3,000 hits so that everybody's going to just acknowledge, yeah, this guy is is a all-time great. But he really was an all-time great already. And, and, yeah. uh, and you know, it's... It's it's a shame in some ways that it takes those numbers to get there, but it's not a shame in his case because those numbers are just part of who he is. You know, I mean, the, he'll get to three thousand hits, he'll get to five hundred home runs, and it'll be legit all the way without any any. He won't have to switch teams. He won't have to like you know just try to find a job just to get those last few hits. Uh, it's just a, in the course of his great career. Yeah, he's gonna this year. Will he'll get to in all likelihood fifteen hundred runs. 3,000 hits, 5,000 total bases, 600 doubles, uh, probably 1,600 RBIs. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, he's a, this, he's great. And, 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 and like a, you know, top 10 all-time defensive third baseman. Oh, no question. Top five, I think. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of the all-time greats, period. I mean, he's he is going to have his argument as the greatest third baseman. I mean, you'll always have your Schmidt people and you'll, you know, and your Brett people and all that. But he'll have his case. Chipper, uh He'll have his case as being as good or better than any of them. So, uh, all right, let's go to the Centrals. And obviously, you have your two World Series uh, teams from last year. They're both absolutely loaded again. Is there anybody else in either Central Division even worth talking about? I don't think so. I really don't. I think that I, I think the Centrals are the weakest divisions yeah. uh, in both leagues. Um, I don't see a single team in the AL Central who comes close to challenging the Indians. I don't see a team in the NL Central that comes close to challenging the Cubs. I mean, I, I think these are like these are if there's if there's any kind of like um, it's over by the end of May kind of deal, it's going to be in one of those two divisions, don't you think? I mean, no, I do, I do. I look, I, the Cardinals. You can never count out the Cardinals. They always find a bunch of guys that, but that team. Seems like it's a little bit. They're a little bit shaky. Molina's old, and 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 you know, and and seems to, you know, be a little bit more brittle. Although he you know played a bunch of games last year, um, the, you know they they're still counting on on their young guys, and um, you know Wong. That's sort of a mess. He he wants out. They just seem they're still really really good, and and I think they will be really good. I think they're going to find enough pitching to be very good, but yeah, they don't. They don't seem like the the Cardinals of the last fifteen years. They don't seem quite like that. Pittsburgh seems like they're they're going to need another another you know sort of swoop upward. Uh, so I think that those are the only two teams. I don't think Milwaukee or Cincinnati is even a, a factor. I think Cincinnati could be the worst team in baseball this coming year. Ooh, uh, good call. Know, I like that. Yeah. I like the bold call. <laughs> I think they could be. Yeah. Um, and then and then the Central. Obviously, I've got my you know eyes on Kansas City and whether or not. They can make one more run with that sort of core, but but that core is not really together anymore. The bullpen is no more, right? The bullpen that got them so far in the postseasons uh, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, two of them are gone, and and the third one is closing. Uh, you know they 
they they don't feel to me that they, they I still think they finish second if if they put it together because I think Detroit is faltering. I think uh, the White Sox are sort of in in this weird middle place where they've got a lot of good young players, but they're not ready yet. And Minnesota, I mean, God, I have no idea. I, I just don't even know what you know. We they they looked two or three years ago. Uh, two years ago, I guess they finished five hundred, and Paul Molitor got manager of the year votes. Um, but that team looked like they were young uh, and kind of exciting, and the young guys just kind of didn't develop. And uh, you know, they're still they might still in a battle for second place. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I think Cleveland and Chicago are way better than everybody else. I'm a little more bullish on the Twins, I guess, than you are. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, they have Miguel Sano and Brian and Byron Buxton. I always say Brian, and then I'm reminded <laughs> of Byron. Uh, uh, Byron Buxton. I, I feel like he like they, it was a rocky. It was supposed to last year was supposed to be the year that he you know burst onto the scene. It didn't quite happen. I think it's going to be this year. I think they're going to like. I think they're. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're. I think they're going to finish higher than maybe you would think. Um, I'm, I like I'll I'll call a second place finish for the, I, I, for the Twins. I, I think it'd be I think it'd be really good. I mean, the, yeah. you know, Brian Dozier is is a very very underrated player. Yeah, uh, Sano and and Buxton you mentioned Kepler Max Kepler. Yeah, is a, is a fun young player. Um, their pitching staff is a just a it's not ball. great. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, uh, but you know, here's here's a question for you. It's sort of off off topic, but with the Twins. Joe Maurer. All right, so Joe Maurer uh, at one point looked like an absolute dead certain Hall of Famer, right? He was, yeah. he, he'd won, what, three batting titles as a catcher. He won an MVP and had a fantastic year. The year he won the MVP, that was, that was you know, one of the best years of the decade. Uh, incredible player. Went through all these injuries. Now he's like a light-hitting first baseman like kind it's of a really weird isn't it wally joiner-esque kind of he doesn't but he doesn't even hit for average anymore what the heck what what do we make of the joe mauer career i don't know i really don't know i mean he continued to hit for average a couple of years after the mvp year right right he, he the 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 power never came back he had 28 home runs in 2009 and I mean that that year is ridiculous. His slash ridiculous. his he slash lines so were three sixty five, four forty four, five eighty seven. As a catcher, as a full time catcher in one hundred and forty games, he had one hundred and ninety one hits in one hundred and thirty eight games. I mean that's like that. This is a world beating year. He as yeah. recently as twenty thirteen, he hit three twenty four, but he had eleven home runs. He's never had more than eleven home runs since that year. So and and the the unfortunate thing is that by moving him out of the catcher slot, now his lack of power is even more damaging to the team yes. because the whole point of moving him out of the catcher slot is to preserve his body and and let him hit for power and whatever. And so now, yeah, now he's like a, he hits 270 and he doesn't have any power and he is taking up a, you know, power position. And it, it's just really weird. It, I mean, the with that huge contract they gave him at the time seemed like, yeah, you got to do that. I mean, this guy is like, going to go down in history as the greatest catcher of all time and then it just kind of hasn't exactly pan and i don't know i mean he's missed he missed a lot of games in 2011 he missed a lot of games in 2013 and 2014 you know he missed a, at least 40 games in each one of those years and in 2011 he only played half the year so he's been banged up but it's just it's just a bummer it's just like a, a you wanted you wanted that guy to like 
to to transcend and to be like, oh, this is the you know this is the new Johnny Bench or the new Fisk right. or whoever. And it, it just kind of like went sideways a little bit. It's a real bummer. It is a bummer. I mean, it's you know he was he was definitely face of baseball caliber. I mean, in his prime yeah. and and uh, you know he he was he was a truly truly great player. Uh, and look, it's not unheard of for a catcher to to get hurt and to sort of have their career end, you know, at a, a young age. I mean, Bench played third base his last few years or whatever. It just happened to him really, really early. And now he's he's like not even he's not even a good hitter anymore. You know what I mean? I mean he's not even like he hit two sixty one last year, he two sixty five the year before. Um he did walk a little bit last year, but I mean no power. Twenty two doubles. He has hundred and thirty career home runs you know he's been in the league for 13 years he has 130 career home runs yeah uh he's a big guy it's not like joe mauer is like a little guy no he's like six, six three or whatever yeah yeah six five i think i mean he's he's just a big guy and i don't know just so weird and i i hate it i love joe mauer i mean i i was i'm such a big fan um uh, of joe mauer as a young player and now i guess this is him i, I mean i guess that's the question is this is this it? This is this is who he is, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. who knows? Maybe he's maybe he's got a second wind. I hope so. I hope so. All right, let's go to the uh, East, and then we're going to do our predictions. Um, the American League East. You know, I mentioned that, that the, I think the Dodgers are the most talented uh, team, one to twenty-five in a lot of ways. Um, it's hard to be more talented than that Boston team. I know. I know that's personal and close for you, and you're not going to want to like jinx anything or whatever, but. Pretty loaded, right? Pretty pretty darn loaded. Pretty loaded, yeah. I mean, you know, they're like we. I said uh, when they made the trade for Chris Sale, their their top five starters now had a higher uh, wins above uh, replacement than the Cubs' top five starters did last year. It's crazy. That's that's nuts. And and obviously there are question marks. Number one, David Price's elbow. Number two, like, is Drew Pomerantz good or bad? Right. <laughs> no one actually knows. Literally no one knows whether he's good or bad. He um, doesn't know. He doesn't know either. Yeah. Is, was Porcello's ear a fluke? Like, is Craig Kimbrell, uh, uh, does, can he throw strikes enough to win or to close games? Does, does Joe Kelly anything? Like, it's not like they don't have question marks. But when you look around, especially their, um, their, their outfield, their outfield is oh. ridiculous. Like ridiculous. Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benintendi. It has the potential to be a kind of like like one of the great outfields of all time. Really, yeah. the defensively right. and offensively. Like they, you know, those three guys. If if Bradley hits like he hit last year, and Mookie progresses, and Benintendi is the real deal. This is a this is like a famous outfield for years. <laughs> And by the way, they have they have Chris Young to back up those guys. They have Brock Holt, who's, a, who's like a, as a twenty fifth man on the roster, is pretty good. Yeah, Their infield is still really good. Bogarts is you know twenty three, and Pedroia is still had a great sort of comeback year last year. Hanley had a comeback year last year. Sandoval has lost like one hundred and forty pounds, and is now only he now only weighs three hundred and fifty five pounds. So they, I mean, like if everything clicks, I, I, it's like nobody catches them really. If sale is sale, if price is price, if Drew Pomerantz turns out to be good instead of bad, if Porcello can can repeat even close to what he did last year, yeah, nobody nobody beats this team uh, at least in the regular season. 
But it's not like there aren't question marks. Um, there are for. Well, but a, I, but I think there are question player. marks. Right, but there are question marks for everybody, right? I mean, it's not. It's not. I, I would rather have their question marks than almost anybody else's question marks. Yeah, I would and, agree with that. And that team could score a thousand runs. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about that about that team. I mean, they scored whatever nine hundred last year, and you're adding Benintendi yeah. for a full year. Uh, your young guys, you would expect them to get better. They do lose Ortiz, and and that's a that's a big loss from from last year. But you know, they they they're going to score a bunch of runs. That pitching staff doesn't have to be that good. I, I think we talked about this on one of the previous podcasts. I don't care about wins and losses. And yet, on the other hand, I kind of think Chris Sale might end up with some sort of, like, absurd, like, eye-popping one-loss record where you're like, what, he went 26-0? Like, that's weird. <laughs> so weird. It'll just because I, I just think that they're going to they're gonna score a bunch of runs. And to me, Chris Sale, and obviously – you don't know. It's still a lefty at Fenway and all the other questions or whatever. Um, but Chris Sale, for me, for the last five years, has been playing for a for a like weird team that isn't very good in a in a home run ballpark, um, and he's just been great. That's all he's been is great throughout it. And obviously, he's 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 controversial and he's and he's he's explosive and all those other things. But he's just been a great pitcher. Now he's on an incredible team that plays incredible defense uh, and is going to score a bunch of runs for him. I, I just, I, I think he's slam dunk your Cy Young guy this year. I just feel it. I, if you're a betting person, yes, you bet on Chris Sale. I mean, he's a lefty at Fenway, but then again, there have been very few lefties at Fenway who have sliders that are so good yes. that people swing and miss and then the ball hits them on the leg, which is what Chris Sale does. There's also a, there's a sort of side note to this team is that, you know, their bullpen was a little shaky last year. And they have Carson Smith. They traded for Carson Smith, uh, who, was, who in 2015 uh, gave up 49 hits in 70 innings uh, for Seattle. And he was going to be – and had 92 strikeouts in those 70 innings. And he was going to be like their eighth inning guy, um, potentially their closer, I think, but at least their eighth inning guy. And he missed the entire year last year. He got hurt yeah. uh, right away. He was gone. And so he's like, that's that's a weapon that they didn't have last year uh, in their bullpen, which should, you know, if, if everything goes according to plan, should actually be meaningful. They also, by the way, traded for Tyler Thornburg uh, from Milwaukee, who is... Well, uh, in last year was uh, like you know he had sixty seven he threw sixty seven innings gave up thirty eight hits like these are two and had ninety strikeouts like these are two relievers who are high strikeout low hit guys with with pretty good control both of their whips were just around right around one so they have these two guys now I mean they traded away forty prospects in the last yeah. Dave Dombrowski <laughs> traded forty prospects including some of the best potentially some of the best prospects in baseball. But he got these guys who, like, if they if they live up to expectations, this team should be pretty uh, invincible. Yeah, they they really should. They really should. Who comes closest in the in the East? Oh, the Yankees do because the Yankees <laughs> uh, the Yankees are going to win 120 games. <laughs> so, so so it's Yankee Minute time already. We're already doing our first Yankee Minute of the year. <laughs> yeah, you I, know what? Yeah. I, I was just on a radio show and I and I said this. I said. You know, this really hurts me to say, but it's really a fun time to be a Yankee fan right now. If, yeah. you're, if you're a certain kind of now, 
it depends what kind of Yankee fan you are. This sort of touches on our conversation earlier. If you're a Yankee fan that wants them to dominate, no, it's not. And if you're a Yankee fan that wants all of these sort of ready-made stars, no, they're they're not there yet. But if you're the sort of baseball fan, as I think many, many people are, who wants to watch a team grow sort of the way the 95-96 Yankees did uh, into something really special while probably still winning more than people expect, um, boy, this team is just loaded with young players. Just absolutely loaded with young players. It's it's scary. I, I think it's crazy. Yeah. It's I hate it. <laughs> It yeah. was so much fun when they were like loaded down with garbage players who were making way too much money. I mean, that just felt so much better. You no, know? it did. It wasn't fun because it would have been fun if they had gone like sixty-two and a hundred, right, like right, they were right, supposed right. to. But they never did. We never got that catharsis. They 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 want they outperformed expectations by like twenty to thirty games a year. Yeah. And now now they've got not only uh, Judge and Hicks and now they and Batances and they got Chapman back and obviously Gary Sanchez. But like people forget about Greg Bird. Greg Bird. Yeah. In twenty fifteen. So whatever it is, two years ago, he was 22. He played 46 games for this team, hit 11 home runs, and had an 871 OPS, and then got hurt and and missed all of last year. Greg Bird's been destroying the ball in (laughs) in spring training, and – he like he's their starting first baseman opening day, and so the yeah. corpse of Mark Teixeira no longer <laughs> patrols first for the. Now it's a twenty. All these guys are young, and also the the this, the bad thing about the really awful thing about them is they're enormous. They're physically enormous. Oh my gosh, they are. Greg Bird is like six four. Gary Sanchez is an in, enormous monster. All the all like Aaron Judge, Judge. is. What is it? How big is Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge is nine feet tall. I, I mean, that's he's huge. He really is like six seven, six eight. I mean, yeah, I think he. I believe he's he's six. He's listed as six seven, two seventy five. <laughs> if you look at his uh, bio page on MLB.com, he looks like a like a friendly monster from a children's story. <laughs> that's what he looks like. He looks like a like a, a like a like in the something from the BFG. Like he's a like a big lumbering. He's like he's a giant, but he's a, one of the nice giants who like. Picks up kids in the palm of his hand and takes them places. Uh, and so they're all 23, 24, and they're all enormous, and they're all scary. And I feel like there is a dark timeline in that that leads to the Yankees winning like 90 games and getting a wild card slot. Oh, yeah. I think it could come quicker than anybody thinks. And, and here's the scariest part of all with them. If they are in position to win they can do whatever they want. They're the Yankees, right? right? I mean, that's like they can go out and say, oh, hey, we're we're actually in contention. Didn't think we would be. Let's go ahead and just get five great players. So let's just do it. Let's just get them whenever we want. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, they're – by the way, Aaron Judge is now the BFG, right? That's – from now on, <laughs> we just refer to him as the big friendly giant. That's basically it. Do you like Toronto at all this year? No, I really don't. I don't. I really – I don't know why. I mean, obviously, they've lost – you know, they've, they've lost – some real talent, but I don't know. I for some reason I just kind of feel like that window closed. I, I may, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I I don't want that. I like Toronto. Um, how about Baltimore? No, I I I feel like I mean the, the the of those two I like I actually like Toronto more. I think. Okay. I think Toronto Toronto still has Marcus Stroman. Uh, Toronto still has Josh Donaldson. Toronto right. has Troy Tulowitzki, who, you know, who knows? 
Toronto has Jose Bautista. Like yeah. I, I, I feel like I like that team more. I think, I think the window may be closed on both teams, um, but I, I think it has closed less on Toronto. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, quickly in the National League East, I think there's only one question, and that is this. Is Bryce Harper going to be great again? I think he is. I do, I, I'm, I'm guessing that last year there was a, there were some, like, injury problems that no one knows about that, like, and this is literally pure speculation. I'm guessing that there is, like, a, there was, like, a wrist thing or a, one of those, like, you know, shoulder things that is, you know, uh, like what the thing Adrian Gonzalez had that kind right. of sapped his power. Right. I'm just, I just a wild guess that that he, you know, he's such a like macho dude that I'm guessing that he had some kind of injury that was just nagging him all year, and he was too macho to like admit it or to like to like use it as an excuse, and he played through it, and now he's had the summer to or the winter to heal, and I feel like he's going to be back. That's my he's guess. Kill, he's killing it in spring training. Just killing the ball. Oh, is he really? I haven't even yeah. looked. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think he's going to be back. I actually, I know everybody, not everybody, but most people seem to be on the Mets because of that rotation, and they should be. And Syndergaard is ridiculous and absolutely could win the Cy Young, and, and, and that team is very, very good. I kind of still think it's going to be Washington. I just, mm. just kind of think Harper is going to have a – Fantastic year. I mean, Murphy's not going to have as good a year as he did last year, but he's still good. And Rendon is good. And 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 you know, I kind of think finally we're going to see, uh, you know, the real Steven Strasburg, whatever that is. And uh, you know, he's. <laughs> I think that'll be a good thing when we see that. Uh, Scherzer is great. I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like and that. Turner, by the way, Turner. Everyone forgets because of oh, Harper. Yeah, everybody forgets yeah. about Turner. Turner is twenty three. Terry Turner's 23 years old, and yeah. in 73 games last year, he had 13 home runs and a 937 OPS and basically what amounts to like half a rookie year. That guy's great. And he great. I mean, he, he for, he's a first round pick in 2014, and he's already <laughs> a very good player in the majors. That outfield, I mean, you talk about the Red Sox outfield, the Nationals outfield might be just as good, honestly. Well, I think, but I think they're going to put Turner at short. So I think that it's. Oh, really? Be- I think so. I think before it's all said and done, I think that's where where they're going to try to figure that out. So who uh, plays? So who is their who is their center fielder? Jason so Worth? Definitely not. <laughs> Michael T- Taylor. Who's the, who's who plays center for them then? Yeah, I, I honestly I, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't either. I should know since I work for MLB dot com. Um, <laughs> no, they. They they've been they've went around. Didn't they make a deal? They made some sort of deal for. Uh, let me let me look this up here since since we're embarrassing ourselves enough. Uh, I oh, thought, Adam Eaton. What are you talking about? They traded for Adam Eaton. I totally forgot oh, about that. Oh, Adam yeah, Eaton. I knew Adam them. Eaton. Yeah. Right. Adam Eaton. Yeah. Well, there he was you go. very very good defensively as we know. Um, they're good. I don't know about Matt Weeters. I that move seemed weird to me. Um, but you know, I I think that team is. I think they're going to win it, and and I'm not down on the Mets. I think the Mets could. I think it's those two teams. I don't think anybody else in that in that division can make a run this year, unless you like nah. Miami. Now, all right. Nah. So now it's time for our full fledged predictions. Uh, so in the American League East, you are picking Red Sox, and I am too. In the American League Central, you're picking Indians. I am too. In the American League West, you are picking Astros. And I am picking Seattle. I'm picking Seattle. I'm doing it. I'm going for it. 
Love it. Love it. All I right. love the bold call. <laughs> you love how wrong that's going to be. National League East, <laughs> you are picking. Nationals. All right. Me too. Cubs in the Central. Who are you yep. picking in the West? The Los Angeles Dodgers of Anaheim. All right. Me too. So who are your wild card teams? American League, I have Mariners, and my crazy call is the Twins. Wow. Yeah. Twins. I'm picking the Twins for no reason at all. And uh, and it's a terrible idea, and it's obviously going to be the Yankees. It doesn't matter. I'm picking the Twins to somehow win a wild card. I am picking te- Texas and Houston. I think everything comes out of the West. I think that they're all bunched up at about the same record, and Seattle somehow wins a division. The other two are wild cards. All right. All right. And the uh, National League, who are you picking? Wild card, I'm, I've got Mets and Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably right. <laughs> I, I don't want to pick the Cardinals. I kind of feel like they're going down, but can I pick the Giants? Can I legitimately? They just seem so. I'm picking the Giants. Fine, pick the Giants. Like, like historically, in the last ten years, you're right if you pick the Giants to that's make right. the playoffs. Right? That's right. So I'll pick Mets and Giants. All right, who's coming out of the American League? In the for the World Series. So here's here's my crazy thing now. After the uh, Cubs last year, and and frankly the uh, the uh, LeBron James led Cleveland Cavaliers championship <laughs> two years ago or whenever it was, I now believe or last year I believe that every championship in every major sport is going to be won by a team that has never that hasn't won one in a really long time or has never won one. That's my theory. My operating theory now is we're in for this run of like five years where every like where droughts are spells are broken. Droughts are broken. I like it. Yeah. So my completely uh absurd prediction is American League Championship Series is Mariners over Astros. Wow. Yeah. My my West uh, National League is Nationals over Dodgers, and nice. I have and for the World Series, I'm predicting Mariners over Nationals. The Seattle Mariners <laughs> are your world your champions. world champions, yeah. And I feel like because I feel like you, you we need we need to take care of in baseball if this is going to be true. We need to take care of the Mariners. And the Indians are probably the next two you would say would who have had long droughts or have never won. Right. And then after that, it's Padres, and the Padres are so far away. I'm pushing the Padres. I'm right now. I'm going on record saying the San Diego Padres win the 2021 World Series. <laughs> when are it's the gonna, Brewers going to win? When do the Brewers finally get to win? I think the Brewers are like maybe. Well, I'll say I'll go 2020. Let's say 2020. The Brewers are winning 2020. Padres 2021. The Brewers are a little ahead of the of the uh, Padres right now. A little so, bit. But I'm saying this year, I'm saying the Seattle Mariners against all odds, defeat the Washington Nationals and win their first World Series title ever. I like it. I really like it. I'm going with exactly the same World Series as last year. I think Cleveland and Chicago. <laughs> I know that's sad. I actually think Boston and the Dodgers really could happen. I I, I still think those teams are every bit as talented as Cleveland and Chicago. Um, but I kind of feel like it just felt to me like last year like there was – like, it wasn't done yet. Like, we're still going to have another Cleveland-Chicago thing, and it's going to be, you know, this year, um, and it's going to be, you know, Game 7 will be in Chicago instead of Cleveland. It just feels to me like that's like a, a repeat thing. It just feels to me that way. I, I mean, it's a way better prediction than Mariners over Nationals. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, that's the great <laughs> thing about baseball. We have no idea. We could, any of those could be right. 
<laughs> and then to win it all, I'm going to pick Cleveland to win it all. And so so we it. get like this beautiful thing. And then and I'm picking Gonzaga to win as well. I'm just figuring since we're doing this, everybody, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, you're supposed to be like a drought. Like Gonzaga's never won, right? I don't know. I don't think Gonzaga's never been to the Final Four. But if you really want to pick a drought, yeah, I mean, I think you pick Gonzaga or South Carolina, right? South you Carolina, only, right. The only yeah. team you don't pick is North Carolina. Ugh. Yeah. Just, ugh. I just... No offense, North, I live in North Carolina, and I like Roy Williams, but <laughs> no, this is not what it's about. To me, if it's going to be a Final Four that I don't care about, like this one, like all of them now, uh, I want it to be four teams that I absolutely know nothing about. Wait, who's the uh, who's the um, uh, fourth team? Who are Oregon? we forgetting? Oregon, right. And would... Oregon has not been there since 1939. They, they were in the first one, and that's it. They haven't been back. So there you go. Any basically, any you want any team but North Carolina, just for the sake of a, a long drought or a new champion. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, all right. Well, as always, we always pick this thing to perfect. Uh, perfect. It, it's we perfect we've accuracy. It, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect accuracy. All right. It's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing. Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. And I, I think you go first. I right? do go first. All right. Uh, my one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing is um, we went to see Beauty and the Beast the other day. I actually tweeted a little bit about this. We went to see Beauty and the Beast. I loved it. It was so good. The, my daughters just, you know, they're singing all the song. They 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 loved it even more than the than the animated uh, movie, which obviously is is a classic. Um, but it really bothers me, uh, and bothered me more in the in the main movie that. When Beauty, uh, when Belle and the Beast have their dance, when they finally have their sort of love dance at the end, that they're dancing to a song with the lyrics Beauty and the Beast in it. Like, that really bothers me. Like, you would think that that would, like, they'd be dancing and then suddenly she would say, like, Beauty and the Beast. And, like, he'd be like, what? What is that? Like, what? Like, excuse me. That seems very <laughs> rude to me. You're calling me a beast in the song that I'm dancing to while falling in love with with Belle. So that really bothered me. Very meta, and and uh, and and it upset me. I uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I haven't seen the <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. It's made a billion dollars, so it's I'm made, sure. It's... You know what? I I can honestly. We were talking about this. This is in, in all seriousness. It's the we we wanted to go see it uh, again. We've seen it twice now, and we wanted to go see it again on Saturday. Uh, for the second time, and we we tried like twelve different theaters. They were all sold out, or or if not sold out, like the only seats available were like the front row and the left corner or whatever. Um, and I cannot remember a movie. I don't remember having this kind of problem even with Star Wars. Like I I think this movie is like topped all of them as far as like difficulty to see. Even though they're showing it like thirty times a day in every theater. Um, I can't remember a sort of a phenomenon like this thing. Wow. All right. Well, uh, it's it's almost like Disney knows what they're doing when it comes to entertainment. <laughs> will, will you take your daughter to see it eventually? 
No, she doesn't really care. I, she hasn't oh, wow. even. She, if, she, if she brought it up, I would, but she hasn't brought it up, and so, yeah. Um, my uh, one last meeting. This thing is a simple plug for my favorite sports-related thing of the year <laughs> every year, which is the name of the year bracket. Name of the year bracket. Um, if you're unfamiliar with this, it's a, a March Madness-style bracket of 64 actual real names of real human beings who live on earth and you get to vote on them. And I, my whole life I have been, uh, delighted by, by ridiculous names more than probably anything else. And it comes from like Monty Python. A lot of Monty Python has ridiculous names. Sure. Uh, Woody Allen used to make, come up with like ridiculous names for people. Um, Thomas Pynchon is very fond of uh, one of my favorite writers is very fond of uh, creating ridiculous names. The name of the year bracket is just like a, a is the most it's the most enjoyable <laughs> dumb thing that happens every year and I highly recommend you go and you can vote they 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 put it to the public so you can vote it's still going on. So go to if you just uh, google uh, you know name of the year bracket you'll find it. I think it's name of the year.com. But um the the every year there's one name that truly just uh I, that i pick as my like my <laughs> my uh my dark horse i guess you would say and this year without question my dark horse name is it's actually a number one seed i think yeah it is it's a number one seed chardonnay pantastico there's a human being <laughs> named chardonnay pantastico i love that so much it's hard to really explain and I, I'm rooting. I haven't checked the results, but I'm really rooting hard for Chardonnay Pantastico to take the whole thing. Yeah, I'd say the question always for me with great names is you have a great last name like Babango, which is a great last name. You would sure. have to say. Would you name your child Bobby so it's Bobby Babango? <laughs> like, would, like, like, would you do that to your like? Sometimes they're like the last name is not that great. Uh, so like you have Tan like his last name, and then you name your 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 child Jeff Rosenberg in one Jeff word. Rosenberg Jeff Rosenberg one word Jeff Rosenberg. Right. Uh, so Jeff <laughs> Rosenberg Tan sounds great, but you, you that basically is just a first name. To me, the ones that have the two like the great first and last names are the best ones. Yeah, Naquez Pringle is pretty good. <laughs> Hella Jungarius was one that is my the people that I work with are really into Hella Jungarius. What do you think of taco um, tib taco dibbits? To me, that it's a little on the nose to like taco is like when when it's I, I don't I mean it's a great name. What am I talking about? But uh, <laughs> it's like I don't I like it when it's I like them more when they're just r seemingly random collections of of consonants and vowels, like <laughs> like that somehow that um, I don't know like Tut's Honey Church is one of them. Tut's Honey Church T U T Z Honey Church. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't like the ones that are like there are two things, two names that I mean I still love them, but that I don't get as much of a kick out of. One are the, like the the two clever ones, like Andy Bandy, Andy Brandy, Casa Grandy. Yeah, um, right. When it's like, like you knew what you were doing, you knew exactly. I don't like yeah. that, and I also don't like ones that sound too much like they belong in like like uh, you know the uh, Lords of the Ring. Like I don't want it to be. Sure. Like it, it needs to still have some base in reality. So I, I love. I think your pick is is the best. I, I Chardonnay really Fantastico. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to beat that. 
I also feel like I should issue a correction. You said Lords of the Ring, and it's irritating me because <laughs> you put the S on the wrong. You made the wrong thing plural. And as a devotee of the books and of the genre of science Lord, fiction, Lord of the Rings. There you go. That's better. Yeah. You know, I the, there was the just I was just watching. I guess it was on the Goldbergs and. And they were trying to get the kid riled up, the, the, the young Goldberg riled up. And they kept calling it Star Trek in order to, like, bother him. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is great. Which yeah. I think is great. So I'm going to do the Lord Lord Lords of the Ring thing <laughs> because that's going to really bother you every time I do that. It's going to be really – I'm going to have to issue a correction every single time. <laughs> All right. Well, we made it through another one as always. Thank you. Thanks for having me.